0: October 6th at 11 a.m. We're going to be having our All Nations Sunday. And uh, this is a hugely popular event for our church. As you can tell, when you look around, we're very diverse. And we like to celebrate that. And we like to let other people know that they're welcome here, too. And so we're going to have an awesome service on All Nations Sunday uh, outside of obvious Days that we celebrate as a church, Easter, Christmas, Pentecost Sunday. This is one of my favorite services. And so, and grab, pick up that invitation, put it in your purse, put it in your wallet, invite somebody to be part of All Nations Sunday. We're going to have a meal following the service. And uh, all of our members, you know, we like to bring a dish from our country uh, of origin or our culture of origin. And um, we celebrate together, and the food, the fellowship, uh, if you want to get to know someone, you got to have a meal with them, sit down and eat food that they like, and so be thinking about one, if you're a member here, think about what dish you want to bring and uh, and share with everyone, and you don't have to cook it yourself, you can bring it from somewhere else, but. Uh, bring it from a restaurant or something have it supplied. But we're going to have a great time on that day. Again, that's October 6th at 11 a.m. And there's more invitations. You say, you know what, I know a bunch of people that I want to bring. There's more invitations right back there on the back as you walk out the door. Uh, be sure and pick one up. Amen. We're so fortunate today to have with us Kenneth Stewart, pastors' the church in Tampa Bay inside the city limits of Tampa Bay that he and his wife planted a phenomenal church, I was blessed to preach there when we were traveling and just impressed, I don't know if he remembers this, but it was the day the AC went out and it was summertime in Tampa Bay and it was warm Uh, I lost all of my fluffiness that day in that one service sweated it out Uh, we had a great service though, but we walked in, it was it was a sauna in there, it was warm But uh, we're so glad that he and his wife are here today He may just greet you and let her preach, I don't know uh, But I told him to take his liberty and just to, to come and bless you I know he's going to preach a wonderful word to us So why don't you put your hands together and welcome Kenneth Stewart to come So glad that you're here today Not sure what we're going to do. I'm going to give you uh, the mic. That's yeah, what I'm no, going
1: to no. We'll start there and then go work our way back. Of course, we're well, good to be here. Bunch of Saku and the very good friends of ours. Amen. The only thing I have against him is that she had a good last name and he made her change it. You know, if you get the last name Stuart, you should never give it up. Amen. But they're good. We appreciate them, the great work they're doing here in the city of Atlanta. My wife and I were here this week. My wife was speaking at a um, ladies' conference over in Solid Rock. But the Kuhn suggested that she speak today, but you know, I'm trying to take back my place as a preacher in the family. So she preached enough this week. I'm just teasing. Good to have my wife here with me. And good to have also our niece, Johanna Christian, here with us. She lives here in Atlanta. She's a school teacher here in Atlanta. And you know, it's kind of funny of a family member. You don't let them grow up. In my mind, she's still twelve years old. But she's here, graduated college, and when she walks I was like, Man, she looked like a grown woman. I guess she technically is a grown woman, but you know you don't you don't let your family must grow up sometime. But good to have you here with us, Amen. On this sentiment, all that are here, the beautiful place that you guys have worked to build here in at the Atlanta area, we appreciate the opportunity to be here and speak to you for a few moments today. We're going to look in the book of Second Kings, chapter four. I'm going to initially read just three verses of scripture, but later on, we're going to go back to that chapter. So you can keep your finger in your Bible or your, in your phone or iPad or wherever you find your scriptures. And we'll come back to it in a few moments. But we can stand together as we read there in Second Kings chapter 4 and verse number 8. And it says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes us by continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us, he shall turn in thither. And it fell on the day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And for a few moments today, I'm going to speak on the topic of, if you build it, he will come. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. Bless your word. Let us bless our minds to receive your word, nourishment of your word to our bodies. Let us be changed into your image from glory to glory, we pray in Jesus. name. put your hands together, amen, as you're seated at this time. Amen. You may be seated. There's a rule of development that simply says, if you build it, they will come. And I'm sure it's similar here in Atlanta. It is in Tampa where we're from. You have a part of town where there's nothing there but cow pastures and fields. And you drive by one day, you see a Publix being built. And you say to yourself, why would they put a Publix way out here in the middle of nowhere? And next thing you know, there's not just a Publix. There's a CVS and a Walgreens and a Starbucks Come back a month later, It's 5,000 home and a school and a mall. And you're like, where did this come from? Because they know when there's development, there's a reason. They know that people are coming. As a matter of fact, on the way here today, you know, I was complaining to my wife, and I said, you know what, my cup of coffee this morning wasn't too good at the hotel. And when I want coffee in a good quick cup, my place I like to go to is Dunkin' Donuts. Don't judge me if you like somewhere else better. Some wife said, What are you gonna do? I said, I'm just gonna take a chance when we get up on the exit for the church. There's gonna be a Dunkin' Donuts. Huh? And God is a provider. As we got off the exit, looked to the left, and what did I see? But Dunkin' Donuts. Pretty much safe bet any exit you get off on grab a Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or something. You're not taking too much of a chance uh, because they build development where they know the people are coming. But today I did not come to talk to you about building Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. Uh. I came to talk to you about building a place for God in your life. Building a place for God like you have here at branches. Uh, building a place for God in your school. Uh, building a place for God in your neighborhood. Uh, building a place for God in your home. Uh, because I'm here to tell you when you build a place for God, uh, God always shows up to fill that place. You see, we read here in the book of 2 Kings about this woman. The Bible says that. She was a great woman, a woman of means, renowned connections in her city. And the man of God used to pass by in front of her house. And the Bible says that he would stop and eat bread and break bread with them. And I come to tell you today that the first thing, if you're going to build a place for God. It has to be a place to break bread. It has to be a place of the Word of God. I want to let you know I don't care where you work, but people should know that your cubicle, people should know that your office, your neighbor should know that your home is a place that they can come and break bread in the Word of God. Every church starts uh, because that pastor has a desire to build a place uh, to break bread. Uh, As Brother Sakoon came here to start this church in the community center, and then to the place you are today, uh, it is a place, uh, Amen, to break bread. And we begin to see that first as she began to break bread, uh, it led to a reason to have a deeper relationship. Uh, You know, there comes a time uh, when you spend time in the Word uh, and the the Word becomes a part of your life, uh, that you just don't want a casual passing-by experience with God. Uh, It's not just enough to come for one hour on a Sunday morning. Uh, It's not just enough to squeeze God in in an occasional manner, in an occasional time. Uh, You get tired uh, of just a casual relationship. Uh, And she was tired of the man of God just passing by and being close to them, uh, being close to a place uh, of her breakthrough. Uh, a place for her deliverance. Uh, And she says, you know what, Uh, we've been breaking bread with the man of God uh, when he passes by, Uh, but I want to have a deeper relationship. Uh, I want to have a stronger connection. Uh, And she went to her husband and said, let's build a room for him. And I come to ask you today, uh, is there space in your life for a room for God? And we live in a world today with so many modern conveniences. I don't know about you, maybe some of you grew up with a silver spoon in your mouth. When I grew up, we didn't have a microwave. If you wanted to warm up food, you had to get a pot on the stove and some oil and warm it up. You know, we didn't have a dishwasher. My dad said, I got nine kids. I got nine dishwashers. So this was going to be washed. You had to fill a sink up and, you know, know, and we have so many conveniences now, but we have less time somehow. We're just so busy all the time. We have no time and sometimes even to make room for God in our busy life, in our busy families, in our businesses, in our jobs. Uh, Is there a place or is God merely trying to fit into your schedule between your favorite TV shows? But she said, you know what? I want to build a room. Uh, I want to build a place for the man of God. Now, the Bible says this woman was a great woman, well-known, but she was also barren. And in the Bible days, they didn't have understanding. We do infertility, many reasons why someone could not have a child. Could be the husband, could be the wife. But when a woman was barren, uh, she was looked down upon almost as if she was cursed. Uh, but she was barren. Uh, but she says, You know what? I'm going to build a room for the man that God. Sometimes I've wondered. You know, if she had children. She'd have been too busy maybe building a playroom. Uh, If she had grandkids, she may have been too busy saying to her husband, you know what? The grandkids are coming over. We got to add a room to the house. Uh, But sometimes, uh, let me tell you something, it's in your barrenness. Sometimes uh, it's in your pain. Uh, Sometimes it's in your lack that you somehow seem to find the time and the place to build a room for God. Even though she didn't have the one thing she wanted the most of a child, uh, she didn't have a room to build for a child. Uh, she decided to build the room for the man of God. And I wonder if she had been busy with her household full of kids, uh, she would even notice the man of God walking by. Uh, it's been said before that God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. And sometimes you got to understand, you can't build a room for God and a room for you and a room for your kids and a room for what's just you want. But sometimes God gets you to a place where all you can do is say, I'm going to build a room for God in my life. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then these things will be added to me. But when she built it, she said to her husband, we build the room. She said, let's build it on the wall. Now, the wall in those days was very important. Uh, That was their only means of defense uh, against their enemy. The walls were important to keep people out uh, so they could be safe. Uh, But when he decided to build it on the wall, uh, that was the most visible and the most vulnerable place on her property. When anyone came to visit her and saw the construction going on, they would say, what are you building? Uh, Because they walked in, it was right there on the wall when they came in. She said, you know what? I'm building a room for the man of God. Uh, She could have put it behind the house. Uh, She could have put it in the basement. Uh, She could have done it somewhere where no one knew what she was doing. Uh, But I'm here to tell you something, Uh, amen. Uh, When you build a place for God, uh, it must be out there in the forefront. It must be visible. It must be the first thing that people know about you. It should be a part of your identity. I'm building a place for God, and it's on the wall. And in that place, when you build it on the wall, that means God's now on the inside of that wall. Uh, You got to be open to God. Once he's inside the wall, he can walk in any room of your house. Uh, He can go anywhere he needs to go. Uh, But sometimes we build a place for God outside the wall where God still needs permission to come in and do the things uh, that God wants to do. But God is saying right there on the inside uh, of your wall, uh, right there in your most visible, most vulnerable space, uh, right there inside the fences uh, you have put up to keep everybody out, you must build a room for me inside the wall. But once she built that room, uh, Look at what uh, a difference it made. Uh, The man of God used to come to her house uh, before she built the room, uh, but before uh, he would only come uh, when he was invited. Uh, They would see him walking by, uh, and they would wave him in from the front porch uh, and say, man of God, come in and sit with us and break bread, and let's talk about the word of God. Uh, But now he had his own room, uh, and now he had his own key. uh, And now he could come by anytime uh, because he had his own way to get in. Uh, When you build a room for God, uh, you're telling God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I belong to you. Uh, I'm not just a Sunday morning Christian. Uh, I'm not going to live my life like I want to Monday to Saturday and ask you to fix it on Sunday and let me mess it up again on Monday. But God, I'm giving you a room and a key and a place you can come anytime. Before he would only come, uh, amen, when he saw them on the front porch uh, and knew he was welcome. Uh, but now sometimes uh, they would leave and go to town and come back, uh, and much to their present supplies, uh, amen, uh, the man of God would be there uh, because now he could show up uh, when they were least expecting him. Uh, and sometimes uh, in your life, uh, in the moments uh, where you need God the most, uh, and you don't know where to find them, uh, but because uh, you built a roof, room for God, God just shows up uh, and he's there right when you need him. And most importantly, I think, is that when they built that room for the man of God, he used to stop by their place, uh, amen, uh, when he was in town. uh, But you know, when you have a room uh, that you could stay somewhere, uh, that becomes your headquarters uh, for that area. You know, I, I have a big family and when I go to certain parts of the country uh, because I know I got a family member there. When I go to Houston, uh, my brother has a house there. Uh, and I go to Houston, guess what I say is, you know what? Uh, I don't need a hotel room. Uh, I don't have to worry about how much it costs. Uh, i just crash at my brother's house as long as I need to. When I have a meeting somewhere and it's 30 minutes or an hour away from Houston, what I say is, oh, I can come. Uh, I already got a place to stay. Uh, I know where I'm going to be. Because uh, when you have a room, uh, you're comfortable going somewhere and staying longer, that becomes your headquarters for that particular area. And when you build a room for God, uh, it becomes a place where God can work out of. Uh, And here at Branches, uh, amen, uh, this needs to be a place uh, where God can work out of and God can reach every community around you. Your home should be a place where God can work out of, uh, amen, where God has a room where he says, this is my headquarters in Swanee. This is my headquarters headquarters in Decatur. This is my headquarters wherever you happen to live. Uh, This is where I built the place where God can live and God can reign and God can be based out of because it's a place for God to live. And I believe a building like this that we build and we work in and we dedicate to God is more than just a building. It's a place, amen, that God can live and God can make a difference and God can dwell and God can change lives. You know, Brother Kuhn mentioned that I pastor in Tampa, Florida, and our church is in the inner city. Uh, and a matter of fact, in the street corner where our church is located, uh, man is one of the worst street corners, uh, amen, in all of the city of Tampa. The amount of drug deals that go on at the bus stop in front of our church and the prostitution on the street corner in front of our church and the homeless people that sleep around that area. When we first moved there, amen, uh, uh, that building we are right now over four years ago, uh, the cops bailed he had a substation in my parking lot. Uh, when I would drive up to the church uh, any time of the day or night, there were always blue lights flashing. Uh, we've had people get shot and get stabbed. Uh, and there's so much stuff has happened right there in the front of the church. Uh, but guess what? Uh, I begin to notice something the longer we've been there. Uh, it's gone from cops uh, being there every day uh, to seeing cops sometimes once a week, once a month, or so occasionally. Uh, because why? Because when you build a place for God, it begins to make a difference. It begins to impact lives. It begins to impact communities. It begins to change we begin to see a change we do a lot of things there we feed 70 people a day we have ministries we have things that we do to reach them and help them but it's mostly because we decided i'm going to build a place i'm going to put it on the wall it's going to be visible and we're going to break bread there we're going to make it a place where god can dwell and god can be comfortable because it's god's house you say but preacher i've been coming to church for a long time and I'm trying to build a place for God. Uh, How do I know that I built a place? Uh, How do I know it's a place uh, where God can rest uh, and God can rule? Uh, Well, let me tell you something. There's four things, uh, amen, that she put inside the room uh, that she made for the man of God. Uh, And the Bible says the first thing she put in the room, she put a bed. And why did she put a bed? Uh, Because she wanted him to know it's a place for you to rest. You know, if you invite me to your house and you show me to my room and all that's in my room is a chair like we're sitting in church today, I'm not going to spend the night because I'm not going to be too comfortable. Be like, wait a minute. You might just want me to stay in the hour. So if this is the only piece of furniture in this room is a chair, I need somewhere to lay down so I can take a nap. When you put a bed there, you say, here's a place for God to rest. Uh, Here's a place for God to live. Uh, Here's a permanent place uh, for you to lay down on God. I put a bed in the room because I want you to live there. Second thing she put there was a table. And a table is a place of fellowship. It's a place to break bread. Uh, It's a place for God to feed you and you to give fellowship to God. You know, when we first got married, had my first daughter. One of the first things my wife started talking about is, "Well, what time is going to be dinner time every day?" I grew up in a home with nine kids. We didn't have any dinner time. My mom would cook, and the food would sit on the stove, and you just got a plate, and you ate when you wanted to. Dinner went from five o'clock to nine o'clock, whatever it was. My wife came from a home where every day her mom and dad they rode to work together. The they came home, sat down, had dinner. I'd be like, "What's dinner time?" Dinner time is when we eat. Uh, But then my wife said, no, we need to have a time where you come home at a certain time. I'm home and we sit down as a family and we eat. Uh, And once I got used to that custom, uh, it was something that we enjoy as a family and say, now we're going to sit down and eat. You know, now, of course, everybody wants to be on their cell phone doing dinner. That's another whole mess. I'm time to get on that tonight. Amen. But you got to have time where you sit down as a family and you fellowship and you eat uh, and then you walk with God, the table in the room that symbolizes what? Uh, a place for you to sit down and then fellowship with God where you can talk to God and God can feed you. You know, sometimes uh, we treat God like the express lane at Publix grocery store. Uh, ten needs or less. Say, God, I don't have time. I'm getting in a long line today. I just need you to do these three things on my way out the door and just fix it for me, God. No, God says, no, give me a table. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's conversate. Let's have fellowship. Let's spend some time together. Don't just come to me and tell me what you need, but let me talk to you also. Gotta have a table where you can sit down and slow down and spend some time for God. The third thing she told her husband that must be in the room is a stool, uh, and I believe that stool symbolizes a throne uh, or a place for God to sit uh, and a place for God to work. Uh, I don't know how it was in your house growing up, uh, but in my house, uh, my dad had a chair, uh, and nobody could sit in dad's chair unless dad was not home, uh, and dad sat in that chair, and dad ran the whole house from that chair. He would just sit back and give the orders from the chair, uh, and God God needs that place in your life uh, where you listen to God. Uh, Too many times in the world we live in, people want to tell God how and when and how and where they will serve him. Let me tell you something. There must be a throne that God sits on uh, because the Bible says the heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. We serve a big God uh, and God needs a place to tell you what you're going to do. You don't boss God around. God bosses you around. Who's sitting on the throne in your life? Is it God? Or is it yourself? But it's be something in that room—a throne that God sits on, where you say, "God, uh, not my will." but let your will be done. God, what is it you want me to do? Uh, I want to give myself to you. I repent of my sins. Uh, I'll be baptized in your name. I'll be filled with your spirit. What do you want me to do? What's the, I want to live a life that pleases you. Uh, come out from this world. Whatever you want me to do, God, uh, there is a place for you to sit and rule in my life, and I will listen to you. And the last thing she put in the room was a candlestick uh, because it was a light. uh, And light does two things. Uh, Light gives you light, uh, and light gives light to others. uh, And God has called us to be the light of the world. uh, But before you can be the light of the world, God has to light up your life first. uh, And God wants to come into your life uh, and lead you and guide you and bless you and keep you. And then you can become a testimony to others uh, and the same God that brought you through. Uh, is the same God that will bring them through. Uh, so once you build uh, the room uh, for God, uh, you must put a bed for God to lie in, a table for fellowship with God, a stool for God to rule from, uh, and you're willing to receive the light of God in your life. Uh, His word is a lamp and a light unto our feet uh, and a guide to our path, uh, and that can be a light to others. Uh, amen. To reach you. You see, God doesn't want your leftovers. God doesn't want a seat at your crowded table. God doesn't want you to move a few things on the bed and make room for him on your bed. God says, no, I need my own bed. Uh, I need my own stool. Uh, I I need my own table. Uh, I need you to be my light. Uh, I need to be first. Uh, I need you to make room for me, not just squeeze me in, uh, but I'm God all by myself, uh, and I want you to make a room for me that I can live in. You say, but preacher." Why is it so important? Uh, what happens uh, when you build a room for God? Look at verse 13 uh, of 2 Kings 4. Uh, the man of God came to her one day and said, what do you need from God? Uh, you see, when you build a room for God, uh, it's no longer about you asking God for stuff. Uh, God will come to you and just ask you what you need uh, because the Spirit will make intercession for you. Uh, we're so focused sometimes on, on what we need from God, uh, but God knows what what you need already. Uh, and as I said before, seek first God. Uh, seek first his kingdom. He will add the stuff to you. He came and said, what is it you need? Uh, you built a room. You've been so good to me. What is it you need? Uh, and she looked at him and said, well, I am fine. Uh, I don't need anything. Uh, well, let me tell you something. Uh, the servant Gehazi spoke up and said, she has no child because her husband is old. let me tell you something. You need people that can speak into your life uh, because sometimes uh, you don't know what you need, uh, but God can bring a Gehazi in your life that knows what you need uh, and knows what you lack uh, and can speak uh, into your life. Uh, And the problem she had is that she was barren. uh, And the reason she was barren was not her fault. Uh, It was because her husband was old uh, and some of you are here today with situations that really are not your fault. Uh, Things that happen when you were a child things that someone else did to you and the reason of where you are right now is something you had no control over but guess what when you build room for god in your life god says i can fix your life it don't matter how you got to where you are it doesn't matter who put you in this position it doesn't matter if no man else has an answer but you made a room for god and god is saying my child what do you need In verse 16, uh, amen, he promised her a child. uh, And she said, don't lie to me, man, God. uh, I've been wanting a child for so long, it has never happened. And sometimes uh, it's hard for you to believe that God's promise will come true. It's hard for you to believe there's still hope for your situation, hope for your finances, hope for your marriage, hope for your life. Uh, But she said, uh, amen, I have a promise, but it's hard for me to believe it. But guess what happened in verse 17? The promise came true. The child was born. What she wanted from God, uh, when she built that room, it came. But something happened in verse 18. The promise grew up, went to work with his dad one day, and the promise fell, hit his head, and now there was a problem. Sometimes the bigger your dreams are, See, the harder they fall. Sometimes you receive the promise and the promise grows, then the promise falls right in front of you. It's a tough place to be when the promise falls. Because you know what? Sometimes you think, I was better when I had no hope. I was better when I was barren. I was better when I was broke. I was buried when I was single. I was better before I was saved. But now i I've had a taste of the promise. I've had a taste of potential. I've had a taste of the future. And it just fell apart right in front of me. And the father looked at the son that fell and hit his head. And the first thing he said was, take him to his mother. I've always thought, isn't that just like a dad? You know, when the problem gets so bad, let mommy fix it. You know, it it seems to be that way, even in my house. in little and big things, you know, the four of us in the house, we're looking for a five-pound bag of sugar in the pantry none of us can find it. Mom, come. We need the sugar. And mom says, I'm on the phone. And we sit there. You know, my wife can walk in from 10 feet away. She'll find the bag of sugar. You know, mom knows how to fix everything. And I always thought that, you know, the father said take him to his mother because mom always knows how to fix everything. But let me tell you something I learned. Uh, is that when you are the one that builds a room for God, people will come to you with their problems. People will come to you in your room. Uh, amen. The father knew the mother was the one. Uh, amen. They had the relationship, but uh, she had built the room. Uh, she knew the man of God. Uh, when the promise fell, he said, take it to the one that built the room. Uh, and sometimes uh, you become that person that people bring their broken promises to. And that's why God had you build a room for a place to take your broken promises. And verse 20 is so sad. The Bible says they brought her son to her. But look at verse 20, where did her son die? The Bible says her son died uh, on her knees. And let me tell you something. uh, Sometimes the hardest time to pray is when you have a dead promise laying in front of you. But at least she made the promise die on her knees and I come to tell you today uh, when you have a dead promise in front of you you need to be on your knees you need to be praying you need to be seeking the face of God sometimes it's hard to come to church sometimes it's hard to keep praying sometimes it's hard to keep believing you got a dead promise in front of you you got a broken dream right there and the last thing you want to do is go back to church keep paying your tithes keep praying keep reading the word but the promise died but at least the promise died on her knees. Never stop praying and believing uh, and trusting God. Uh, And in verse 21, uh, amen, when the promise died, uh, what do you do with a dead promise? Uh, She took it to the room that she built uh, for the man of God uh, and laid her dead son, that dead promise, uh, across the bed uh, that she built for the man of God. Let me tell you something today. The reason Why you must build a room for God in your life that you might not be going through a trial right now. You might not be dealing with a dead promise right now. Uh, But a day is going to come when you're dealing with a dead promise. Uh, You're dealing with a broken heart. Uh, You're dealing with a dead dream. Uh, And you got to have a place to take it. Uh, She had a place uh, that she could go, Uh, a room she had built for God that when the promise died, she said, I'm going to take the promise. And lay it in the room I built for God. Uh, You got to have a a place to go. Uh, I was seeking this morning. uh Amen. In June 2017, uh, amen, was probably the worst month I've ever had in my life. Uh, I faced so many trials and tribulations and attacks, and, and I think in that one month, uh, I had more personal betrayal and financial betrayal and, and 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 talked about, lied about rumor than ever in my life. Uh, if my own family was wondering, amen, uh, what was going to happen and how I was going to make it, but you know what? I had a room to go to. I had a place Place to go to, a place I have built for God by myself uh, and say, God, uh, this is where broken promises go. This is where dead dreams go. When it looks like everything is over, uh, the business is bankrupt, the marriage is over, your child is sick, uh, the doctor will have an answer, the lawyer can't help you, the bills can't get paid. Uh, you need to have a place that you could bring that broken promise and say, you know what? You, God, did not bring me this far to leave me. I know that God had me build this room for a reason. I know God called me for a purpose. I know my life and my future is not over. I have a place where I can go and take My broken dreams. And then she went to her husband and said, Go find the man of God. And he said, Why today? It's not a feast day. It's not a church day. Let me tell you something. When you build a room for God, sometimes you can't wait for Sunday. Sometimes you can't wait for Wednesday. Sometimes you need God to do something right now. You can't wait to call the pastor. Sometimes she said, I know it's not a feast day. I know it's not a church day. But go find the man of God. Amen. We need him now. There's a dead promise laying in the room. She ran to him. He said, is it well? And she said, yes, it is well. How could it be well when there's a dead promise? Well, let me tell you something. Amen. When you built a room for God, it don't matter what people say. It don't matter what you're going through. The old song says, it is well. It is well. It is well in my soul. There's something inside of you that says it's going to be well. She told the man of God to come back to the room in verse 32 that she had built for God and laying across that bed that she built for the man of God to lay, there laid the dead son. And the man of God, the Bible says, he began to walk to and fro in the house. Uh, Sometimes when God is trying to work in your life, uh, he needs some room to work. Uh, Sometimes you want God just to make an answer and God to do what you want God to do. And God says, give me some room to work. Uh, He began to walk to and fro in the house uh, and begin to pray. Uh, And let me tell you something. uh, You can't just confine God to one room. Uh, When God gets ready to do a miracle in your life, uh, he's going to touch every aspect of your life. Uh, He's going to touch your finances. He's going to touch your job. Uh, He's going to touch your kids. Uh, He's going to touch your marriage. He needs to be God over everything. Give me some room to walk. Uh, You got a dead promise, but give me some room to walk. Then he went back into the room and stretched himself, amen, upon that dead promise. The dead promise came back to life. But I want you to look at verse number 36. In verse 36, I'm going to find the strangest of this entire story. Because you would think that the miracle had happened and the prophet, amen, had prayed and the promise was back to life. You would think, amen, the child would get up and run and go to its mother. But he sent for her, tell her to come and get her son. And she had to walk to the room that she built for God, the last time she was in that room, there was a dead promise laying across the bed. And the prophet did not have the son come to the mother to go get her, to come tell her to come and get her son. I can just imagine as her hand touched the doorknob of that room to walk into the room she built for God. And the last time I was in this room, there was a dead son laying across the bed. What's going to wait for me when I open the door this time? Sometimes the hard thing to do is walk back into that marriage, walk back into that job, walk back into this church, Pastor, when the enemy's been fighting you all week and the promise seems to be dead. And sometimes we just wish I didn't have to go back there, I didn't have to face it, I didn't have to ever go there again. But you got to have the faith that you know what? I'm going to go back. the room I built for God, even though the last time I was here, a dead promise laid across the bed. And sometimes it's hard to come back to church. Sometimes it's hard to trust God or go back and do what God wants you to do. But when you have built a room for God, uh, you can walk back into a place where dead promise used to be. As we stand together, I mentioned to you today that June of 2017 was probably the most difficult month ever of my life. And in the middle of that month, my father was having some issues with his heart. And they thought he had some blockage in his heart. And so he lives up in Panama City about six hours away, and he was having a heart catheter. And we didn't know what to expect. My family's never had something this serious. I told my mom, come up there for the procedure because we didn't know. They're going to find blockage. Have to do bypass. Or know what was going to happen. They brought my dad in, did the heart cath, and thank God there was no blockage. Everything came out fine. I was in my car late Saturday, driving back to Tampa for church the next morning. I got an email from my former business partner on a Saturday. Even though I was a majority owner of the business, he had access to the file. Sent me an email on a Saturday. Just want to let you know. I've canceled the corporate American Express cards. I've closed the business bank accounts. I've canceled the corporate fuel cards and basically wiped it all clean. On a Saturday, what can I do about it? I called my said, What are you gonna do? I said, I don't know. You know, Saturday. We got church tomorrow. I don't know. What am I gonna do? I have no idea. Monday morning, we have people showing to work with gas cards that don't work, credit cards that are not active, bank account I can't access. Maybe eventually I get it all worked up, but right now I don't know what I'm going to do. But guess what? I'm going to go to the house of God. I walk in Sunday morning, one of my guys hands me an envelope, beat up, handwritten envelope. And my business shares a property with the church, but I don't normally get mail there. Stamp on it, handwritten, and I just threw it on. I didn't even open it before church. Uh, it just didn't look anything important. Then I opened it, and it was another envelope. It's like one of those games kids play, you know, you put and another, another envelope. When I finally got to the last envelope, there was a sticky note on it. for One of my biggest accounts, this account I've had for years. They, they pay us a lot of money every month, and it's always, for years, been direct deposit into my account. For some reason, they sent a check that's probably one of the biggest checks my company ever had received. And they mailed it to an address that I had before I, they were my customer an old address from years ago, and it got returned. Then they mailed it to another address that my business used to have, and it got returned. They had in the system, she wrote a note and says, Ken, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this check was not direct deposited. I, I don't know why, you know, it was mailed to the wrong address. We have you address in the system. So I personally bought a stamp, hand I'm talking about a major multi-billion company, Person got a stamp, hand-wrote a piece of paper, you know, your address on it to make sure it got to you this time. And you know what happened? That check was three weeks old. If that check had arrived three weeks earlier, I would have put it in the bank. And then when he took all the money, it would have been gone. But on a Saturday, after the worst day of my life, when my father had a heart catheter, when I got an email that says, I've shut the business down, basically. On a Saturday when banks are closed, a check arrived with enough money to keep it. And it was almost so funny because my partner had called me back in weeks. That Tuesday, he called, how are things going? Like, we're good. How are you doing? Hope you're doing good because he thought that there'd be no hope. I said, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do, but tomorrow's Sunday. And I built a place for God. So I I don't know know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to meet payroll. I don't know what's going to happen next. But I do know one thing. I built a place for God. So I've got to go to the place I built for God. And who knows what God might do when you show up to the place that you built for God. I come to tell you today, it's not enough to come to church. It's not enough just to show up you got to decide. I'm I'm building a place for God in my life. Uh, I'm building a place for God in my marriage. Uh, I'm building a place for God in my business. Uh, I'm building a place for God in my home. Uh, I'm building a place for God with my kids. Uh, I'm building a place for God in my future. Uh, Amen. I'm tired of being a Sunday morning only Christian. Uh, I'm building a place for God. He could be in 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I want to build a place for God, and I'm going to build a place uh, so when promises die, I know where I can go. And laid across the bed, I place for God. I say, God, I bring it to you because only you can fix it. And I come and tell you today, if you build it, he will come. Branches, I come to tell you, if you build it, right here in Suwannee, He will come. Uh, if you build it in your home, if you build it in your marriage, He will come. If you build it, He will come. Because once you build it, one day you're going to need a place to take dead promises. they go right to the place where you built. Right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your life. I don't know your testimony. I don't know what you're facing, God. But you need to build a room for God. Pastor, Lane. Sister Shelly, they can't build it for you. You have to build it. You've got to say, I'm building a place for God uh, in my life. I'm. I'm tired of just materialism. I'm tired of things. I got a beautiful house, beautiful car, beautiful job, but where's God in all of that? Uh, amen. I got to build a place for God. Uh, I'm not going to make it if I don't build a place for God. And right now, this altar is open. Come forward. I challenge you and say, God, I'm here to repent of my sins and give my life to you. And I want to build a place for you. If you've not yet been baptized in His name, uh, you can have that experience today. But just come forward and say, God, I'm I'm building a place for you. I'm, I'm right on the wall. I'm building a visible place for you and I'm going to put a bed and a, and a table and a, and Lord I'm, I'm going to put my candlestick that you can light up my life uh, and a stool for you to rule in my life because I got to have a place that I can take broken promises and dead dreams and God a, when I build a place for you it's a permanent place uh, no matter what happens in my life amen uh, I know where I can go because if you build it he will come come forward let's pray and let God encourage you today